Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cultivating Change with Martin Mayorga and Nicholas Mayorga. We're going to do an episode that uh, with Brian Hicks and Ruben Torres from uh, Harvest Hands, which is a very incredible project in um, Nashville, Tennessee, that supports at-risk youth with um, after-school opportunities. And I do think I do want to talk first and foremost about. Um, the current situation that this country's in uh, and the conversations that we're unfortunately having to have as a result of people being murdered. Um, you know, as a company, we haven't kind of done the, the quick Instagram post, but um, this is a, a topic that I firmly believe in and firmly, you know, believe that companies like Myorga exist to try to, uh, you know, make a, a change for. And, um, I think right now is a time that we stop and recognize the fact that the black community has been mistreated as an understatement um, in this country from the history 200 years ago of their origin in this country to civil rights and you know police brutality and everything. So I just want to make it clear that myself and obviously you know the company I run, we believe firmly in being a catalyst to make a change uh, for society uh, towards topics, including uh, the importance of, of, you know, the black community being treated with equality and respect and fairness. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping that today's podcast shines a little bit of a light on that. Um, you know, the uh, Harvest Hands project, I think it's about, uh, it's in a, a black community in, uh, I think it's Southern uh, Nashville. And, uh, you know, it's part of what I believe in, which is let's just be catalysts for change. Those of us who, in a way, are, are uh, you know, not, you know, I'm not a black man. I'm not in the black community, but what can I do? I can do anything I can to leverage the resources I have and the time and the voice I have. So, you know, hopefully this podcast uh, is part of it. And I'm talking about the whole of the podcast, not just today. And I welcome any feedback from anybody, anything that they think that we can do as a company, I can do as a person. You know, I do my podcast with my son. And for me, it's important that he sees the things that are important to me, the things that I think we have to fight for, and the fact that sometimes we have to stand up and uh, speak out for our brothers and sisters from other races. So, you know, that is a very important topic for me. So I... uh, welcome any feedback. I welcome any insight. I welcome any challenges to what I can do better and what I can push my organics as a company to do better. So moving on, we're uh, going to have this conversation and it's just an insight into a relationship we started a couple of years ago um, with what I first saw as a coffee shop and then learned to be an incredible um, community project where they end up, you know, training uh, these kids to be baristas and roasters. And we made a commitment to donate $50,000 of green coffee per year, which my thought process was with green coffee donations at 50,000, they can multiply that to, you know, quarter million dollars if, if, uh, you know, they're serving as coffee. So, and we do things, you know, Eduardo goes there and Wendy's gone there and, you know, we're engaged with, uh, Harvest Hands and Humphrey Street. To be honest, I haven't had a chance to go back, so I'm, I've been a little disconnected with the day-to-day. But, you know, that's why it's important to have people who follow our purpose and believe in our purpose. So we have Eduardo and Wendy and, and Claudia also driving that relationship. So this is a call with them. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. 
I also don't talk much during this one. So You don't talk at all because uh, I wanted to clarify also. Nikki doesn't talk on this um, call because we, uh, we did a conference call. And I just thought it would be too hectic to have too many people. So Nikki paused his, or not paused, hmm. Nikki muted Eating his mic. mic. Yeah. All right. So any feedback, please let me know. Thank you. Enjoy. All right. So, uh, you know, here we are. Uh, we got uh, Brian and Ruben from Harvest Hands and then also uh, um, Humphrey Street, which we have a very good relationship. And I, I would actually prefer that they each kind of talk a little bit about themselves and, and uh, Harvest Hands as well as Humphrey so that we can then kind of uh, give everybody some context and then we'll get into it. So, Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your background and, and you know, give us some insight. Yeah, thanks for having us, Martin. We appreciate you guys and uh, you know, the work you're all up to. Uh, Harvest Hands is a nonprofit in Nashville, Tennessee, really in South Nashville, that is a community development corporation, and we started in 2007. My wife, Courtney, and I uh, basically lived in a neighborhood in South Nashville, um, started working with kids there in, in the neighborhood. We uh, had, had done community development work in, in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, moved here to, to really begin this new work. And kind of the essence of our work, kind of the heart of it was, was that we – uh, we had just a, a philosophical principle that we, as community developers, really work with our neighbors for change as opposed to being, you know, just kind of do-gooders. You come in and fix things. And so we lived in a neighborhood, um, urban neighborhood in, in Nashville um, that had high-level crime, poverty. We just got to know neighbors mm-hmm. through being neighbors and, and relationships. And we literally lived there, got to know all the kids in the neighborhood. and. And one of the things that uh, is the essence of our work, community development work, um, is that to begin with where people are, we ask the question to our neighbors, hey, what, what would you like to do together to make an impact on our neighborhood? And almost everybody said, like, the kids in this neighborhood need something uh, that's constructive to do after school. And so the research suggested that from 2 to 6 in the afternoon, kids were getting uh, in trouble that the juvenile crime would spike in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so we started an after-school program with about 15 kids in a little house uh, that had been moved into our neighborhood from another neighborhood because they didn't want it. <laughs> and uh, so we worked with little kids. And then with the teenagers, we, could, we couldn't get teenagers to, to come because it just wasn't cool to go to an after-school program. So we figured out, like, how do we, how do we get them to come? And we figured the only way we get them to come to pay them, but that just seemed too much like a bribe. So we, we decided to start a couple businesses and my wife took a bunch of teenage girls and started making handmade soap. Uh, we learned to make that. At, uh, um, she learned to make that here. And, and I was doing home roasting, you know, uh, just roasting a coffee at home. And, and so I was teaching guys about coffee, like 12 and 13 year old guys who uh, really had no interest in coffee, but it was really the only thing I knew to kind of teach them. And uh, we would talk, and we would set off smoke alarms. and really couldn't hear each other talk. And that's really where I met Ruben, who was with us on the call. And um, and, and we, from there, we got a grant uh, from a guy named Cal Turner, whose family, uh, he, uh, their family started Dollar General. 
and Cal, uh, someone we knew, uh, supporter of our nonprofit, Hurricanes, and uh, he told us if we would write a business plan with a bunch of with the students, and it was just three or four students, that he would buy the coffee roaster to, uh, to get us going. And uh, so Ruben and I and a couple other folks wrote a business plan, and we, we took it back to Cal, and he uh, he funded the startup, and uh, he, he told us a couple – We I was new to this. I was 30 at the time, 44 now. I was about 31, 32. I started giving us a check, and he's like, no, nah, y'all need to change a couple of things. And our little mentoring group is called Mimic, which stood for Men and Mentoring and Community. And he said, um, we, our guys wanted to name it Mimic Coffee. And he said, that's the worst name I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like imitation coffee. So, so we were like, we'll change it. Uh, uh, and so we were given this old building after we uh, started in the house, the old church called Humphrey Street United Methodist Church. And, and the young men decided to name the coffee company after the church that it closed down uh, as a as a connection back to the community. We Ruben and I hopped on a plane when he was thirteen and flew to Standpoint, Idaho, and Stephen Dietrich taught us to roast coffee. Nice. And um, and that's how we that's how we got in the deal. And uh, it was funny because Ruben, the young man, we would do these uh, at, at the training. You know, Stephen Dietrich. You may know him. He's an eccentric mm-hmm. character. And. Uh, it was great. It's fun to learn from him. Uh, but we would do these blind tastings uh, that everybody there who learned to roast coffee would do. It. And it was like most of it was like guys who were burned out in their corporate career going into coffee. <laughs> so, yeah. so they were all these roasting, and and they would taste them. And every time Ruben's coffee would win, he was thirteen, and I think they were frustrated. But he, he was just naturally gifted. He's got kind of an engineering brain and uh, an artist, and so he he was at that age is already just exceptional in his, in his deal. And so um, that's kind of how we got going um, as, a, as a coffee company as part of our nonprofit. You know, we still run after school programs about a hundred kids every day. Um, the, the social enterprise, the Humphrey Street piece is, you know, our mission is that we're uh, catalyst for holistic community development, focused on healthy living, education, spiritual formation, and economic development. And the, the economic development piece is a Humphrey Street coffee and soap that we do. And, um, and that's, you know, that's where the coffee shop is. And that's where our partnership with you all has been such a great partnership because essentially you guys and you're supplying uh, a coffee to our, um, to our students to, to roast and to sell, you know, it really essentially creates, uh, you know, a, a lot more jobs in our neighborhood for young men and women who, who are you know dealing with issues of poverty? We believe in the idea of empowerment and that jobs are really a pathway out of poverty. And so, um, so you all partnerships have been great in, uh, in allowing our resources to be put into the employing the students. Yeah, I think we share a lot of that. Of um, to me, empowerment and action are kind of two words I use a lot. And um, you know, there's only one way to change things, and that's to change them, <laughs> right? You know, and uh, yeah. I think yeah. action is a big one. So, Ruben, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your involvement and your background? Yeah. Um, so, as Brian mentioned, I started my involvement with Harvest Hands as a student. Um, I was a neighbor, lived across the street. Um, when Even before the program started, uh, they would host um, breakfast every morning, every uh, Monday morning, and we went to one of those, got involved. Uh, my parents, you know, were 
super for it. And they said, yeah, we want to involve our kids here. Uh, and immediately just felt the love and, and uh, the, the care that they had for the community. Um, I was 12 at the time and had been in the United States for two years. So I'm an immigrant uh, from Mexico as well. Um, and struggling with the language, uh, they being there, they helped me a lot, uh, especially with school and things. And uh, when Brian brought to us the proposal to start working with coffee, I was all for it, you know. Um, that's a grown-up thing to do. So I was like, man, I'm going to be like a grown-up drinking coffee. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> um, so we we went for it. And uh, uh, Brian told um, the majority of the story. Uh, I feel like there's not much left for me to to say after that. But um, it's been a great journey of going from a student to being back involved. Uh, now my position here is production manager and head roaster. Um, and that involves a lot of different things. You know, in a profit, it's not just the title, but it's also the mentoring that goes on with the students um, and a whole bunch of other different hats that we wear. Um, so I'm just blessed to be back investing in the lives of youth in the community, just like. Uh, I was invested in. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that really intrigued me and got me excited about what you guys are doing. You know, I just to give people an insight, you know, I learned about um, Humphreys when I, I went to support Eduardo at his uh, roasting competition in Nashville. Was that 2018? Yeah, 2018. And um, I met your family. I met, uh, you know, Eduardo had met you guys and was like, you got to check this out. These people are doing real work. Uh, it totally hits home with what we believe in, which is just complete empowerment and engagement. And I remember walking around and, you know, we saw the facilities, we saw, you know, the gym, all other things, the roaster, the coffee shop, which is a, a beautiful coffee shop. And I think literally that day I was like, we have to do something real because you guys are doing real work. And, you know, I, I think that's, it's so important, um, especially as we try to create, you know, equality within society which is empowering young people to feel the confidence and the, the and have the skill set to i don't know you mentioned something really interesting which is when you were young you felt like you can do grown-up work you know and that's empowering you know and that to me that was something that we had to be a part of and uh you know it's been it's been a nice ride as far as seeing that and you know i haven't been able to go back unfortunately just because of my schedule but you know, Wendy's been there and Eduardo's been back and I've seen pictures and we did a nice video with you guys. And uh, it's so cool to see that, right? To see that we can all kind of touch those lives in a way that hopefully gives these kids forward momentum, right? And, uh, and confidence mm -hmm. and, and the skill set that they can leverage. So, you know, yeah. while it might, you know, the conversation might be that my orga supports you guys. I mean, you guys also kind of keep us doing what we do. And I think, you know, groups like you guys help companies like us kind of keep our, 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 you know, our compass in the right direction and always focused on the right things. And it's, it's been a really nice relationship and, uh, you know, I've been very happy to have it. So on the coffee side, I mean, where do you guys see, I know that you guys have, are, are you doing any wholesale? Uh, we are, uh, we are wholesaling. Um, now, retail wholesale is something we're trying to get into. Um, so we just got into Whole Foods, um, local. 
That's great. Um, and that's going to be coming out uh, in the fall. Uh, but outside of that, it's been a lot of businesses buying coffee from us and churches. Um, the nature of our nonprofit work makes it so that we have existing relationships with churches. And uh, buying coffee from us is another way that they can um, support the mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what's interesting to me about that, too, is it's it's kind of a, you're expanding the business model, which is also a new opportunity for for you know young people to learn about business business versus consumer direct and uh you know i I think what's exciting for me about the model you have is it's not just learning how to be a barista or how to you know roast coffee it's you guys are running a real business and i think having young people see that is so empowering right to understand how cash flow works and you know decision making and you know planning and budgeting it's that's a pretty cool element of, of what you guys are doing also. We incorporate all those elements um, and other things such as soft skills for, for the students uh, to do because this is not just a job for the sake of the paycheck for them. Mm-hmm. It is that they're trying to raise up leaders. Um, and they live in a neighborhood where just those, those opportunities don't exist. Don't exist sorry. Uh, and they don't, they're probably not going to see that ever if we don't show it to them at a young age. So we just try to broaden um, those horizons for them, provide the opportunities for them to have uh, here as they're earning a paycheck as well. Yeah, and I think that's that's a beautiful thing, right? Seeing them, um, you know, the the evolution they can make beyond just the, the direct skills. And... Um, so talk a little bit too about, I know you don't just do coffee. What other products are you guys doing? Uh, we also do soap, handmade soap. Um, and we sort of uh, target the different um, products to the boys working on coffee and the girls with soap. Uh, but we don't, we don't keep them separated if they want to try something else. Uh, so handmade soap products, uh, also laundry soap. Uh, we make sugar scrubs of coffee that uh, maybe we didn't sell getting old. Uh, we don't want to just throw it away, so we repurpose it um, too. Um, and we've got other products on the line. Uh, we've been talking about doing a beard oil as well, right? It goes along with sort of beauty products uh, and um, personal care. Um, yeah, and then we have our coffee shop where we do... Uh, the drinks, and we we also work on cold brew bottling. So we started that recently. Uh, we're looking to scale that up and also get it into uh, the retail space. Cool. And so, and Brian can uh, speak more to the Brian can speak more to the other things we do on the um, harvest hand side of things. Yeah, you know we. It's interesting. I mean, Ruben does such a great job of explaining what we do. And part of it, you know, he's he's kind of helped make this stuff happen. He's been with us forever. And so he owns this stuff and uh, is really a key mentor to to what we're up to. And, you know, kind of the essence of our work is is raising up leaders who then lead other uh, young folks in the neighborhood. And, and so um, and he could, he's the one to talk about what we do business-wise. Our other stuff, uh, related to Harvest Hands, you know, we run around each piece of our mission. You know, we do healthy living. We run sports kit uh, leagues for about 300 kids in the neighborhood, and 
after every season. A lot, of, a lot of kids in our neighborhood just don't have access to um, sports like uh, a lot of other neighbors do. So for them to even get involved, they'd have to go somewhere far out. We said, that doesn't make any sense. So let's put those opportunities right in their own neighborhood. And then, um, and then so that's a healthy living piece. And we're trying to also teach kids and families about uh, eating uh, more whole. And so we have done some gardening efforts and try to teach folks how to make recipes from those. And then um, and then education is an essential piece of what we do. Or after-school programming is basically you know, helping kids with their homework and uh, doing leadership development. And we've, we've found that, you know, in the time we have kids after school is uh, leadership development is probably the place where we have the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. They, you, they're in school all day and they get done. They're kind of burned out. But I think the opportunity to help kids learn uh, leadership qualities and skills. Uh, we've been focused on the seven habits. Uh, Stephen Covey uh, teaches that. And so there's a version of that for kids. We've done that with. Um, and so in the spiritual formation, just a piece of who we are, we, we just kind of help people know that, uh, that God loves them and they're, they're special and that, uh, Everybody has potential. And I think that probably that's sort of the essence of who we are. Is we, we really look at people with great gifts and capacity. We don't see ourselves as this organization coming to, to fix the place, but to really see the potential in people and then uh, create opportunities. So we're catalysts. We really, um, really fight against the idea that we're there to save a neighborhood or fix people. We really just believe that uh, and the inherent dignity of folks. You know, in fact, one of my heroes is a guy named John Perkins, and he says that the, the worst form of poverty is when someone believes that, that they have nothing to offer. And uh, and so we we really uh, try to to tap into that. And in fact, you know, Ruben is a great example. He's he's really humble. But Ruben, his capacity is off the charts, and always has been. You know, as a 13 year old who uh, who traveled across the country to learn coffee roasting, you know, he went on and. Uh, excelled in high school, went to a magnet school, got like 31 on his ACT and Latino leadership scholarship to college. I mean, all these things uh, that we didn't do for Ruben, Ruben did for himself. But, you know, we created some opportunities for him to be in leadership, but he had to make those choices. Um, and I think um, I think you guys probably understand that, that, you know, there's potential out there that we don't create. Our work is kind of to, to lift those up and let it shine, you know. Yeah, I'll tell you, I mean, the things you're mentioning are completely hitting home because it's really how I see our relationships with our producers, which is we, you know, and I've always said, it's just certain communities and certain people in communities, especially with coffee and the trade, there's kind of a loss of hope. And to me, there's nothing more heartbreaking than seeing people who are intelligent, hardworking, and they just don't have the opportunities. And we've always seen ourselves as just that, the catalyst, right? Um, I think just seeing those people and those opportunities come to, you know, kind of just put a light on them and, and let them thrive is, is probably the most rewarding thing that in what we do. I mean, I think, um, you know, the dignity you see that comes back into people's life when they can prove who they are and prove that through their hard work, they can do something productive. I mean, that's, that, that's exactly how we view our relationships with everybody, which is we just want to be a catalyst. And we learn from those same people, and it's it's a beautiful kind of symbiotic relationship that we all kind of create this community that's you know forward moving. I, I mean, I think that those opportunities, um, you know, work um, 
really matters. I mean, it's just there's something about um, you know it, this may sound a little bit uh, old school, but I remember my uh, my mom used to say you know that idle hands are the devil's workshop. <laughs> so mm-hmm. It's just this idea that like when we don't have stuff to do, we want to kind of get into trouble and, and uh, things are not best for us. So when people work and have opportunity to work, uh, I think there's it's just there's something about that that not only bonds you closer to people, but also makes your your life have the sense of contributing, which I, I really think impacts the community. Um, it's contagious. You know, and um, one of the things what we've seen is in uh, when we do diversification projects is the energy we see uh, the youth get into it with, you know, whether it's beekeeping for honey or diversifying into new products or tourism. Um, it's so exciting to see young kids get into kind of, you know, the, the supporting of the farm concept because that's, that's getting lost in coffee. And I think by giving them you know, something to get excited about it. It just re-energizes the whole thing. You know, the parents get excited. They're more excited to be on their farm and everybody benefits. It's that positive energy. That's just, you know, it's, it's contagious. I don't know if you guys have ever read um, anything by an author named William Julius Wilson. He, he wrote a book once called when work disappears. And it's, uh, it's basically a book that the, the premise of it is that um, after studying a lot of urban communities, the absence of work, in those communities, at least just uh, even like, you know, basic jobs often is a direct, directly correlated to uh, to crime and and poverty. And so, uh, so that the suggestion is that one of the best ways to address poverty is to actually create work and jobs. And, um, and so we've just found that to be like, you know, we always say we, we don't, hire students to make coffee, we make coffee to hire students, you know, and it's about the mission for us um, of really creating opportunities for students. Man, it's so funny because so many things you're saying, I mean, one of the things I tell people is, you know, we don't support farmers to sell coffee, we sell coffee to support farmers. And it's funny hearing these things you're saying because yeah. it's, it's the things I say and it's amazing how, this is what's intriguing to me. I mean, when I was in Nashville when we all met, there was this kind of instant like, it just makes sense that we figure out how to work together. And it's kind of funny that, you know, here we're having this conversation and honestly, Brian, it's the first time you and I really have, you know, a back and forth and it's amazing. The parallels, it's amazing. The parallels and the, and the shared mindset, which shows kind of, you know, when, when like-minded groups and when people get together, how, you know, we can just kind of focus on, on, on our purpose and focus on what we're doing and really just kind of be effective. And, uh, it's kind of nice to hear that, and, and you know, it reaffirms why things just kind of gel so well between the two groups. Um, yeah, and one of the Martin, Martin, one of the things I've recognized is that a lot of times people who have really big hearts, um, they 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 want to do something about poverty, but often don't have the um, understanding of the way business or economies work, and so. So they kind of just set themselves up to do things for people uh, and the people become dependent on them. And uh, and so there's this interesting intersection when people have the understanding of the way economics works and resources work and also have a real heart for people and, and seeing systemic change. And I think that intersection really has 
some more transformational power. I always tell people I hate poverty. I wish that poverty didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to be the place in our community that keeps kids coming back to poverty. Like we're trying to develop leaders and create pathways out of poverty, not necessarily out of the neighborhood. We want kids to reinvest back in the neighborhood so it doesn't stay impoverished. But but we believe that uh, um, those opportunities are pathways out of poverty. Uh, and so I, just, I think it's powerful. And unfortunately, you know, like I said, a lot of times my observation is that really good-hearted people uh, just don't seem to understand that. I'm not sure why. And then on the other side, a lot of times people's resources don't have – don't seem to exhibit the heart for those who uh, are in a different place than them. And so um, that's kind of an observation that I've made. And I appreciate you guys for your all's work and, and combining those two efforts. And, um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's tough, right? Because I think there's a lot of things that have to happen for somebody to have those variables, right? You know, they have to see poverty or experience it firsthand and then they have to have the opportunity to do something with it because unfortunately a lot of communities where people see that they don't have the opportunity to do anything about it and they're more having to focus on their own survival you know and um i think that's one of the things i tell people all the time is being able to come to the u.s was the biggest privilege i could have had having lived through you know one of the biggest earthquakes in western hemisphere history through revolution through you know one of the peak terrorist scenarios in Peru and coming to the U S was like, it felt like Disney world. It felt so, you know, it was just a different, so I felt like I was given this gift and I couldn't just, you know, take it for granted after seeing what I saw in Latin America. So I think unfortunately that crossroad that has to happen is, is not very common, which is why I think we don't see too many people kind of marrying the two things where, you know, you understand and have empathy for struggles that are, that people are put into not by their own doing, but by systems and by systemic issues. And then actually having the wherewithal yeah. to do something with it. It's tough. Yeah, I think it's very appropriate. Also for the conversation that we are uh, dealing with as a country currently where people who have resources and, and privilege and, and uh, positions of power now have to recognize that if we're, if the systems are racist behaviors and uh, racism are going to change in this country, those who are in positions of power, uh, have resources, have to empathize with those who are impacted by the system and, and advocate and be agents of change. And, and so a lot, of, you know, a lot of times my work through the years is, in fact, my work has really changed. I first started, I was running after school programs, but as the years have gone on, I've really seen my work is shifting uh, resources to, to our neighborhood. Um, I kind of miss the days of hanging out with kids, but but really, I really think that this idea of um, using privilege and positions of power to, to shift resources uh, and opportunities uh, and, and really call out systems that are, uh, that are inherently racist, we need to, people who are majority need to lead the way in that. And so, For sure, uh, man. So I, I, think, I feel like that's a big piece of our work right now. I think what we need to recognize, given you know, the situation that's going on in this country, the conversations that are finally being had, unfortunately, you know, by people dying, uh, is there has to yeah. be change. And there has to be change that is kind of in, in the system, right? So who are the players in the system and how do they, how do we force them to open their eyes? And more importantly, how do we put more diverse people in the system? 
because, you know, I think with yeah. people empathize with different groups, they're going to really change the system. So for me, it's, it's a matter of changing things from within, you know, let's get our, our young people mm-hmm. who want to be leaders and want to be, you know, in politics to want to be business owners, to want to build up their neighborhoods and not let their neighborhood be gentrified. And let's just get empowerment for me, the thought of, of my staff, you know, which is about 75% either immigrants or children of immigrants to be homeowners, to be things that to the average American don't seem that interesting, but to an immigrant, it's like my parents never owned a home. So for me, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's my focus. It's how do we drive this thing? How do we all kind of get mm-hmm. more people on board and just push forward and, and really make that impact that has to be made? I mean, I, I think it's, shouldn't even be an argument it has to change i mean the society has to change and uh, yeah. the systemic acceptance yeah. of things that we just can't you know people can't turn a blind eye to anymore just we have to be in your face about it until it changes and you know uh non-profit yeah. for-profit whoever you are you have to create that change there's no other way to do it mm. uh, another mentor of mine would used to say you know if you uh, give a man a fish, he'll fish for a day. Teach a man a fish, he'll fish for a lifetime. He said, but that's the wrong thing. He said, the real question isn't uh, teaching the fish for a lifetime. The, the question is, who owns the pond? <laughs> and uh, and I think that uh, I think that really hearing him say that, you know, I think people can buy into the, you know, oh, teaching the fish, he'll fish for a lifetime. That's great, but there's a deeper question of ownership that you're talking about um, that that is more transformational, um, you know, uh, that I think that we have to, it's more systemic that we have to get to. If we're really going to be agents of transformation, there has to be a, a shift in ownership and opportunities for ownership and uh, pathways that are, home ownership is essential, and uh, we believe in that. But those types of business ownership, you know, we have so many entrepreneurs in our neighborhood, so if they're not going to, uh, you know, find good ways to do it, they're going to find bad ways to do it. Mm-hmm. And so we want to see positive opportunities for people to transfer those same skills, but just use them for good. Exactly. I agree with that completely. And, um, you know, that's why I really appreciate the work you guys do. And, um, you know, hopefully your work and your, your focus on, on that community building is going to allow these young entrepreneurs to emerge and to feel, you know, the, I don't know, kind of self-empowerment to go out and, and you know, believe in themselves enough to, Put something to market, you know, and put something to market that's going to help their family and, and hopefully society in some way. Um, and on that note, yeah, uh, I've had, I've had this up. go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, I, go ahead. No, I was going to I was going to chime in with Sorry. Ruben real quick on the, um, you know, Ruben, yeah. I know uh, you're focused more on the kind of uh, business side of things, I guess, if you will. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, yeah, more on the business side of things. So, what, what are your challenges on that side? I mean, because you're dealing with young people who, you know, by default, they're new in the, the business world and, you know, you, you're kind of uh, this nonprofit trying to run a smart business. I mean, what, what are you seeing there as, what are your challenges that you face on a day-to-day basis? Um, I mean, we're working with teenagers, right? They're, they're young for a lot of them. Is their first job? Um, and the most important thing to, to understand is that we got to go in it with grace. Um, like Brian said, uh, we first and foremost are doing this to, to hire students. Um, 
but we got to also look at it like um, we're, we're a business that needs to be profitable in a way so that we can continue to do this sustainably. Mm-hmm. Um, we're thankful to be a nonprofit and to be able to get donations. But at the end of the day is how can we do this uh, and those donations be something extra, something that can make us grow. Um, and I've, I've heard some of your podcasts uh, and definitely hearing that like the um, sort of bringing about a new way to look at capitalism, right? It's not just about the money, uh, but also about the people and those uh, indicators or performance indicators that are not measurable. Mm-hmm. Um, and from our point of view, it works very much the same, um, but kind of flipped on the on the nonprofit side. So it's not just hey, um, we are we're a nonprofit and you know we're losing money. It's okay, we're we're getting donations. No, um, we also uh, have to be very aware of the challenges that we're going to face and the profit that we need to make. So. Um, Thinking about those things, the um, a, a challenge that we see quite a bit again is the students not um, being your your. I'm trying to find the right word here. Um, your common workforce, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what we do is we train them. Um, we're providing that education that a lot of employers are expecting people to come in with. So we provide that for them and we see them improve um, slowly but surely, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those kids have turned out to find a passion uh, doing something that they never thought that they would be doing, you know. Uh, roasting being an example, we have um, about... 20% of our students that end up learning how to roast, about 35% of our students that end up being baristas. Uh, they never would have thought that that's something they wanted to do. Uh, they come in because there's a job available in the community and I'm going to get a little bit of money. Uh, but we spend the time and resources to train them. Um, and when they see that, then they start to get a, a love and passion for the stuff that they're doing. Um, and they also become much more productive. Um, that is, as they thinking about it on the business side of things, ends up being the biggest challenge, you know. Um, we are we have grown very organically. We have been blessed to have a lot of partnerships. And uh, people are always rooting for us and um, sending our name out. Uh, so that has been a blessing for us. Um, heard you talk about also how like you start to scale up after you've been 20 years, uh, into the business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- that's something that we're starting to see the business ramp up. Um, so, uh, that would be sort of the next challenge of how do we scale up from what we're doing, right? Because we're, we have students, um, that we're going to need to be training. But then we also have more production that's coming in. Now with COVID going on right now, um, that's that's not something we have to worry about a lot uh, because things are slow in general for everybody. Um, 
but once this all passes and we continue to grow, how do we continue to do what we are doing and scale up um, and be able to produce everything that we need to? And what, what resources are there for you and other leadership on the business front? Do you guys align with, with uh, any business resources that will come in and kind of help you with business modeling, projecting, budgeting? Or are you basically like a typical kind of startup where you're just kind of figuring out uh, as you go, which is what I did, which, you know, wasn't the easy way, but uh, that's the only choice yeah. I had. <laughs> yeah. I think we're more like the second one. I always say we're, we're trying exactly. to uh, build the raft and we're in the water, you know. But, uh, but fortunately, we have good friends uh, like yourself. And, uh, you know, and even when Eduardo was here, we had some conversations around some of these issues as well um, that just, you know, our people who believe in it, part of believing in it is offering us uh, guidance in the business world too. Yeah, for sure. And that's something, you know, at any point you guys want to have conversations about, you know, the scaling, you know, at what point do you need a bigger roaster? At what point do you, there's all the questions that I'm sure you're kind of bouncing through your head. You know, like I tell people all the time, I've made all the mistakes. Try to learn from mine, you know, because uh, after 23 years, <laughs> yeah, I've made all great. So, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to have those conversations with you guys on, you know, the, the way to intelligently scale because I've scaled unintelligently too. So, you know, there's different ways to, uh, but uh, yeah, I'd be more than happy to, to, you know, provide that because, you know, at my age and having 23 years in the industry, I kind of feel like, you know, there's this, the reality is I've built this business because I had people that could help me, you know, maybe not financially, but I had people yeah. who believed in me enough to kind of give me advice and, you know, and I'm getting to that point in my life where I guess I'm, I, you know, I at least believe that I can be an advice giver because I'm almost 50 and I've done this long enough where, you know, I feel like it's my turn to to try to help out in any way in that sense. So if you guys ever need any insight on um, the business side, which, you know, is kind of something I'm, you know, just naturally good at in the whole business modeling side, you know, I'm happy to help out. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah, go ahead definitely and definitely reach out. <laughs> I'm happy to help we'll definitely, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure that out uh, offline here, hopefully, you know, sometimes to talk about that. But, you know, I don't know how aware you are, but we have this opportunity to open a second shop here in Nashville uh, on Broadway in 2021. You know, it seems a little bit crazy right now going through the, as Ruben said, the COVID-19 situation, uh, the thought of opening something new. But, you know, we've always been dreamers and things seem like they were impossible. So, so we're going to keep moving that direction because the opportunity is basically this. Uh, we have a uh, the location on Broadway that's going to, you know, Broadway rent or ownership has gone through the roof in Nashville over the last several years. They're they're giving it to us for a dollar a year because they believe in our mission, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so we have a great opportunity there, uh, and so I'd love to even talk to you about some of our thinking around that. Yeah, I'd be more than happy to talk. I mean, one of the things you know. The and I guess we haven't talked about it. What, you know, what we're doing with you guys is we're basically, you know, I, I, I have a weird knack for connecting dots, you know, and when we were there and I, you know, Eduardo's like, what are we going to do to help these guys? And I'm like, well, we're, we're in coffee. We know coffee. We have coffee. They use coffee. Let's donate coffee. So I think we donate, I think $50,000 a year in coffee. Um, and yeah, I told someone that's one of the most brilliant, brilliant gifts we ever received. <laughs> I mean, you can turn coffee to cash, yeah. right? So the, uh, yeah, and 50,000 of green coffee yeah. can turn into a lot more, right? So it's kind of like this exponential. That's right. Um, 
And then obviously we want to kind of take the ancillary beyond that. It's not just a matter of shipping coffee to you, but, you know, sending Eduardo and doing some, some conversational, you know, education and on hand, you know, hands-on training and, and things like that. But, you know, I believe that if there's an opportunity and there's a will, you know, we can get together and figure something out. And if you have an opportunity to go into a retail location, that's going to help you focus on the core of what you do, the reason why you do it. The solution's there. We just have to kind of let it, you know, bubble up as we talk and we'll figure it out. So I'd love to have that conversation for sure. Yeah, I wanted to speak to uh, Martin uh, when we first met. You know, I I believe it was within the first five or six minutes that we were talking that, that you said, uh, what if I donate coffee to you guys? Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely that knack for connecting the dots is there. And we really appreciate you believing in us so early on. Of course, man. You know, I'm, uh, I'm a kind of a quiet person. I'm very observant. And I just, you know, for me, it's like I observed and like just the passion and the purpose. I'm like, and it was cool. I felt like it was even maybe a little self-serving where it's like, I want to be a part of this. I want my orga to be a part of this because the energy, you know, I'm all about like positive energy momentum. And it's so, you know, palatable that when you're in your place that I just have to be a part of it. So you know, I think it's more of a testament to what you guys have done and who you guys are to uh, to develop that. Because it wasn't just you, Ruben, or who, you know, it was just the baristas. It was everybody, even even the customers in the shop. Yeah. There was just such a nice, positive energy. It's yeah. rare. Thank you. And, and let me say to you guys just how impressed I've been with, with your people and, and your spirit. And, uh, you know, meeting Eduardo, he's an exceptional human being. And uh, obviously very talented and uh, a great uh, contributor with the skills, but, you know, some of the conversations that we have with him and uh, just, even I mean, I'm bad with names, but who was your guy who does your video work for you? Boris from Chile. Boris. Man, he's awesome too, you know? And yeah. just, there's just a sense of like the people who are doing this work with you are all in and, uh, and they really um, just have just good spirits and, I've met a lot of folks in coffee, and Eduardo is an exceptional person, and his understanding even of what we're dealing with is, uh, you know, we just it was neat to be able to connect with him. He really cares about the people and uh, and the and the coffee, you know. And so really you know, cool. I'll tell you what was game changing for me. Um, you know, I've been through a lot of trials and tribulations, and I started a business with no money, and I've been technically bankrupt maybe four to six times, uh, but. <laughs> At one point, I got to the point where I was just exhausted. I'm like, why do I do this? You know, why? why? And then I kind of dug deep and I said, you know, maybe I should understand why I do this. And I remember it was like right when that Simon Sinek uh, YouTube video was going around about, you know, finding your why. And I literally just stopped mm-hmm. and I identified it within five minutes. Like, because I'm tired of systemic poverty. I'm tired of, you know, people not having. And I just wrote out my company purpose. And I decided from that yeah. moment on. I would only recruit and hire people who believe that purpose first and foremost, because in my opinion, skill set can be learned. Purpose and passion are there or they're not. And, you know, we literally, no no knock on anybody, but we brought people in who had more passion and purpose than skill set maybe, but that passion and purpose got them to that skill set. And Eduardo can tell you when he started with me, we're going to build a shop. And I said, Hey, by the way, we got this new roaster in. I want you to manage the installation and we have two weeks to do it. And he's like, I've never installed the roaster. I was like, 
I'm sure you'll figure it out, you know, and he did because <laughs> he believed Man. in the purpose and, uh, that changed the game for us. That was like 2012, right? When we got into Chia and everything kind of just started clicking into why we were really doing things. And to me, that's powerful. You know, when you have that shared vision, you're unstoppable. I mean, our crew, you know, I, I kind of, you know, jokingly refer to ourselves as the bad news bears, you know, and I tell people like, I've never run a company before. And now I'm the CEO of this multi-million dollar company with locations and, you know, major facilities in Florida and Maryland. And I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm. But every day I figure it out. Yeah. And that's kind of how we operate, Man. you know, and because we care about Man. why we're here. So I, I think that's that's kind of the shared thing that we have, too, between the two groups is that we have this mutual respect because we both know that our purposes are so aligned. And then we kind of just see that work ethic back and forth and that, that positivity back and forth. Man. And it's nice. Did Evan read a book recently called The Obstacle is the Way? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite books. I recommend it to everybody. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's, on, it's on my bedside table right now. And, uh, but I just, I mean, I, I'm just right on, you know, exactly the same kind of thinking. I'm just I mean, taking these challenges and turning them into opportunity. And, you know, it's not about being bankrupt four or six times. It's about what are you done with that, right? Yeah. And even like, in coffee, I mean, what, what I learned from that book in coffee was, you know, people kind of knock my organ because we we're, we move volume and we move high quality. But and I tell people all the time, if you really want to change coffee, you have to change it the way it was. What brought us here was volume. You know, the exploitation of humans for volume of of coffee, which turned into volume of dollars. Let's now use that volume mm. and, and do the right thing with that volume. I don't want to grow a boutique yeah. special. I want to grow. <clears throat> excuse me. I want to grow a massive company. And I want to use the volume that was, you know, misallocated to reallocate it into positivity. So to me, that's the ultimate yeah. of that book, right? The obstacles away. What got us here? Let's use that to get us out of it. And run on. So that's on. that's how we operate. So, you know, I've appreciated the conversation. I really, I, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that I get more engaged with you guys. We talk more. I'd love to kind of do any insights on business and, and the coffee business and, uh, anything we can do to support you all. Um, I'd love to do it, you know, stay in, in, in touch more. Um, you know, and anything you guys need, I mean, just know that I'm available and I work seven days a week. So anything you guys ever need, just feel free to reach out. Thank you. Y'all so much. Much. All right, guys. We appreciate you. Thanks Take care. Take have, care. Have a great afternoon. Bye. Right, bye. So that's the episode, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I hope you got a little insight into the relationship and more importantly, insight into Harvest Hands and Humphreys and what they do. And, um, you know, hopefully we can lift each other up in uh, partnerships like this and by highlighting each other in a way that, you know, we, we recognize the people who are doing good and we allocate any resources we have to, to helping them help others. So, you know, I appreciate you listening. And uh, Nikki, do you have any feedback or comments from the episode you listened to also? Uh, I think the... The entire concept of it is really interesting, and I think I would really want to go and see what they're doing down there one day. Yeah, I think it, it'll be a good road trip for us one day. And I say road trip because I don't see myself flying anytime soon. But, uh, <laughs> so thanks, everybody, and I uh, look forward to the next one. Take care. Bye.